Welcome to Tomorrow's Tech Today, bringing you the latest in technology, talent, and transformational change. With me, your host, Professor Sally Eaves. Hi, everyone. A very warm welcome to Tomorrow's Tech Today, bringing you the latest in technology, talent, and transformational change. With me, your host, Professor Sally Eves, CEO of Aspirational Futures. And today, our subject area is CSPs, thriving in an age of experience and also one of tech convergence, too. And the backdrop to this is a new report from the Harvard Business Review, relying telecom for future success. And that means shifting to a customer focus and away from a product centric one. And the research is really bringing to life new priorities for communications organizations that revolve around the changes we've seen, this big transition to digital transformation worldwide, business model evolution, customer experience at the heart of all we do, and the enabling technologies that help to make a difference and bring this to reality. So, for example, AI and 5G being center stage. And to dive into all these details today, it's a pleasure to welcome Dr. Charlie Isaacs, who is IoT CTO for Customer Connection at Salesforce and responsible for incubating and launching new IoT customers. Welcome, Charlie. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate uh, being included on your show. I'm honored. Oh, my absolute pleasure. And for everybody listening and watching as well, just to say, I think Charlie has the best LinkedIn statement I've ever seen. He's put, and I quote, I work with people who want to change the world and I have the perfect wife. So I just think that's lovely, by the way, Charlie. I love that. What a great intro. Well, yeah, you know, I, I can't believe she's put up with me for 40 years now. Practically, well, going on 40 years. Uh, it was our 39th anniversary in December, but uh, she uh, is a very tolerant woman. But uh, it's a very true statement. Oh, that's wonderful. I love that. Thank you so much. And kind of drawing on that theme, actually, I, kind of an opening kind of question for our discussion today. I always love to get to know the person behind the tech a little bit more. So I wonder if you could just share a little bit more about your, your journey to your role today, you know, perhaps a moment that mattered to you along the way. And hopefully I'm sure that will inspire a lot of other people who are listening. Sure. So I, I actually got started off in the uh, telco space. I um, was first hired uh, right out of college, uh, a company, uh, their, their name was Bunker Ramo, believe it or not. Uh, they're in the defense industry, but they eventually did become a telco company because they became part of GTE, which eventually was purchased by Verizon. So uh, as I, when I left there, I was uh, VP of engineering and operations for um, GTE, and it was a government systems branch of that, but it was, uh, we were focused a lot on commercial, the commercial industry too. But uh, a pivotal moment was when, when I was hired there, um, I was in, a, I went to my job interview and I really didn't know a lot about job interviews. I, I went to UC Santa Barbara. I got my electrical engineering degree and I had a focus on, uh, hardware engineering, but I also, uh, had a minor in, uh, computer science, which was a little bit rare having electrical engineering and computer science at the same time. And, they tolerated, I, I showed up the interview in boat shoes, uh, docksiders, and that will stick with the person who interviewed with me. He still, to this day, I met him uh, at a meeting a couple of years ago. He works for, uh, which became part of General Dynamics, and uh, he's SVP at General Dynamics, and he still messes with me about how I showed up for the interview in a suit and boat shoes, uh, topsiders. Anyway, um, their, their offer to me was, hey, we're going to send you all around the world installing computer hardware and software equipment. 
and I said, wait a minute, you're going to pay me to do that? So uh, that's how I, I began my career. And that was a very pivotal moment for me. But other pivotal moments in my career, and there, there have been many, um, I, I evolved into a role there where um, in my role, I appreciated that I needed to hire a lot of excellent talent. And there was an untapped talent pool in uh, what we used to call minorities, right? Now it's underrepresented groups of people, right? And I found that if I doubled down on hiring underrepresented groups of people, that I had an unfair advantage over a competition. And I discovered that, and that, this was in the 80s. And w- another irony is that the division manager of our division ended up being an amazing uh, visionary, visionary and I'll call him a trailblazer because that's the term we use at Salesforce. Awesome. I love that. It's great to share those moments and the people that you remember um, who you mentor or mentors you, et cetera, I think is wonderful. So it's great. And it's great to see that um, support um, for people from a diversity of experiences as well. I think we all we all know, I mean, all the teams we've been in, I think it's not just um, better satisfaction, better productivity, better experience, more creativity. Everything works better when you have teams that bring together diversity of experience. It's absolutely the right way to go. So so that's lovely. Thank you. Um, and perhaps now we'll start diving into some of our more of our main conversation, if you will. So having a look at that topic area I set up around CSPs and the future. I think we've kind of reached this point of transition, haven't we, in many ways globally. We've got this acceleration, you know, whether it's work or education or entertainment, right across digital transformation, this hybridity. Um, but we've also got this heightening, I think, as well, you know, changing behaviours, but also heightening expectations, whether we're consumers or employees or advocates, for that matter, as well. So especially when it comes to things like consistent, connected experience and the personalisation of experience as well. So before we move on, maybe to consider telecom specifically as an industry sector, what have you seen in this and experienced? directly as Salesforce as an organization. You know, what's that change looked and felt like? Yeah. So um, one of the reasons I came to Salesforce in the first place was because um, we can think a lot about and not just think about, but we can act upon what the future could be for our customers. Um, we're a cloud company, so we have um, several releases. We have three releases a year. So with each one of those releases, we can uh, innovate across every one of those releases. And the other thing we focus on at Salesforce is the ability to uh, build rapid prototypes that eventually can be pushed into production. So you can um, and, and you can build rapid prototypes because we have we use this term clicks not code. And you can easily assemble fu- sets of functionality that could show your customer the art of the possible. And we actually call it, in my group, we call it the art of the actual. Because you build the art of the possible, you prototype for them what the future of the connected customer could be. And you demonstrate it to them. And you know, to be honest, uh, 30% of the time they might say, well, you missed the mark. That's totally wrong. And... Um, you need to go back to the drawing board and, and then you ask the follow-up question, okay, what did I miss? You know, where did I miss the mark? And, and since it was so easy to build it and it was so quick to build it, um, any feedback they provide is welcome information, right? So you're well, the, the information that they provide to you allows you to build on top of that prototype to take it to the next level. 
So whenever they give negative feedback to me about something we've built in my group, that's great news. So anyway, to get back on onto the question, um, innovating in a positive way, and some people call it failing forward or uh, rapidly prototyping forward, um, we're able to do that. And again, I mentioned that's why I came to Salesforce in the first place because we could we could do we could uh, build that functionality rapidly and get it in front of customers quickly and get quick feedback. Um, and I wasn't able to do that at any other company really. And even at previous companies, I was using Salesforce to do rapid prototyping and prototyping um, to show a vision about something, even though. Uh, that wasn't our core platform at the previous company. So um, anyway, I hope, hopefully that answers your question about building the future. Absolutely. No, it's just such a natural fit. And I think you're right. Another thing I'm seeing organizations doing as well. So in terms of that rapid prototype you were talking about, also agility around change management, for example, as well, you know, really embracing things like continuous integration, continuous deployment, for example. So hand in hand, both of those working really well together. So that's a great example. And maybe following on from that as well. In terms of Salesforce's support for CSPs, what have you seen over this you know, big transition period over the last year in particular, perhaps, around the changes, the challenges and the opportunities and what, how you've been supporting that process directly? Perhaps any memorable moments there as well. That'd be fantastic to hear. Yeah, sure. So when I get involved with, with CSPs, uh, typically, uh, since I'm known as the IoT guy at Salesforce, I focus a lot on Internet of Things, which is really getting more and more popular because of 5G, right? With 5G, that's really been the on-ramp for IoT. So I'm getting a lot busier, uh, especially with, with telcos and um, companies that are trying to build their own IoT platform. And in actuality, if you look at it, uh, if you pull all the, the CSPs, they're either providing an IoT platform or they're in the process of building one. And I have a list of about eight or nine of them that I've already integrated to um, where we can get the data because at Salesforce, we don't, we don't focus on um, massive amounts of data coming from connected devices. And even and this is about, this is supposed to be about the connected customer experience, but you can look at a person as a, as a device too, right? They're generating a lot of data. I mean, my iPhone is generating a lot of data. That's uh, my phone. My car is generating a lot of telemetry data. Uh, so how do I leverage that data? And the important thing for Salesforce is the customer experience side of that data. So um, my title is CTO for customer connection instead of being CTO for IoT. And the reason my title is CTO for customer connection, my, my boss aptly named uh, my role because uh, Mark Benioff named IoT the Internet of Customers. So it's all about customer connection and customer experience and the experience behind the events, the massive amounts of events that are being generated. <clears throat> so getting back to what I do with CSPs, if you take, for example, AT&T, they've got their own IoT platform and they've, they've been in this business uh, building IoT solutions for many years now. Actually, they, had, um, they built a product called IoT Dataflow. And this is not meant to be an advertisement for AT&T. I can say the same thing about, um, <laughs> you, you know, Orange. Orange, we've already built uh, tight integrations in with Orange in Europe. Um, 
And if you take AT&T, for example, they built Dataflow. They built they have this thing called Asset Management Operations Center where you can look at your devices. Um, we're doing a construction project with them that uh, maybe I can have time to talk about later. But you know, the bottom line is they take the data from the sensors in the vehicle, for example, like construction, uh, the cement mixer, <laughs> or the or you don't call them trucks, you call them lorries, right? Uh, <laughs> okay, so they take the data, the telemetry data, and then they act upon that data. They have their own rules engine in the cloud. And we don't want those billions of events per day. What we want are the anomaly events. So if there's an anomaly where uh, the oil pressure fluctuates n number of percent, then we're interested in it because we might be creating a case in service cloud. So we turn those events into actions. And the way we do that are with tools, those tools I was mentioning earlier, the clicks.code tools, like a tool called Flow. Lightning Flow allows you to, like in a matter of minutes, I can stand up either a Heroku server that runs Node.js, if that's your preferred language, or, you know, Heroku is owned by Salesforce. That's one of our companies too. Um, or I could, we have this code called Apex, so you can write, where you'd have to write code because you, you have to make a secure endpoint in Salesforce to receive the REST API call. I'm, I'm drilling way down into the weeds. Uh, hopefully that's okay. I'm Okay. Okay. So the, the events coming in from those CSP partners, from their IoT clouds, can be easily processed. Um, a subset of that, we call it the um, fine adjustment knob on the microscope, right? There's a coarse adjustment knob that's filtered by the uh, telco providers. And then we get that into our REST API and then we take action upon that, right? And once we get it into this lightning float tool, we can, or anywhere in our platform, we can operate against it with AI. We can uh, trigger activities in commerce cloud. We can, of course, take action in sales cloud. And most importantly, 90% of my use cases are related to service cloud. So what are you going to do? Okay, something, that truck is overheating, right? That lorry is overheating. So I'm going to, what are you going to do? I'm going to create a case, a trouble ticket, and then I'm going to sign it to a technician. And so we have this thing called Salesforce field service that gets triggered by that. And that's all happening in the background automatically once that anomaly event comes in from the CSP cloud, right? From the IoT cloud, from our, our partner. And then we take that, and the technician is, and here, this is where it becomes a customer experience. It's not just your customer's experience knowing when that technician is going to arrive to fix that cement mixer um, and can Uberize that experience, right? That, that's improving that experience, but also making sure that the technician's experience is very good too, right? Because they, they can make sure how, how much does it really suck to show up at a site with the wrong tool on your truck? right? Okay, so there should be something in the cloud that tells you, I need this tool, I need this part. And by the way, I'm scheduled to be there. So the customer is going to get a notification that I'm there. So all these things work in harmony to improve customer experience, but they're triggered from our partner's clouds in the background. Sorry, I'm rambling on a lot on that. 
honestly, no, it's, it's really, really good. And it was a purposeful tangent, as I like to call it, because I was going to go into that area and very naturally anyway, you brought to the fore an amazing example of that connected experience, which is which is perfect. So I absolutely love that. And you were taking me back, actually, because I used to be a CTO in telco. Um, and I also had a role as kind of change manager as well. So bringing together things right across IT, IS, RAN, et cetera. Um, so I was just thinking, gosh, I could really have done with that <laughs> for, some, for some of the things that I was doing in the past. That was fantastic in, ter- in terms of that example. And it takes me back as well to, you know, the report I mentioned right at the beginning as well, which has just come to the fore, the HBR one. How do you link that across in terms of the, the key takeaways that, that came out from that report as well? So really, I think there, your example there of this connected experience, I think it aligns perfectly with what was coming to the fore for me in terms of this is the age of experience. And you know, CSPs need to react to this because it is going to be the driver you know, for retention, reducing churn, acquisition. But I think ultimately it's sustainable competitive advantage as well um, by doing this right. What did you take from that research? Well, you know, I thought that um, paper was spot on because uh, when you when you look at it, my takeaway is that customer experience is all about uh, reducing friction, right? It, if you can reduce friction, you can reduce churn. And you know who who knows better about churn than telcos, right? Because you can um, that's your ultimate goal, right? Not to have someone leave uh, AT and T to go to Verizon for cell phone service or whatever, whatever it might be, especially when um, your customer experience um, can differentiate your brand and your, your offering and your service offering. Right. So um, if you, the way to reduce friction and another takeaway from the article would be um, context, right? So you have all these data points, you have massive amounts of data coming in um, for your connected customer how do you take all that and put it in context? So I know that construction vehicle is, I know what, I know the location. I know which customer owns that. I know who can service that. And when it starts to break, by the way, I don't want it to um, break. I want it to, I want to know that it's about to break, right? Proactive service, which is another takeaway that was in the article. Um, so how can you uh, improve proactive service? If you can establish a data set that accumulates all that data, and by the way, we don't necessarily do that in our cloud, right? That would be in the CSP's cloud, the the IoT cloud from the partner, because that's a massive amount of data. So they're going to have their AI that's going to operate against that, right, to help with context, to help with uh, reducing the friction by uh, identifying all the the data that's, that's required uh, to make those decisions and to build context. And then based upon context, you could help reduce friction because you can know the customer preferences. You can know where they are. You can know what they like, what th- what's worked for them before. Um, there's an AI project I'm working on right now where we want to match, we want all these data points to line up and be gathered. And where we do, we can perform AI on Salesforce is when we have uh, what we call our objects or custom objects that we operate really, really well or really easily. Or we can actually um, use AI through either MuleSoft, which is another one of our tools, which is our API tool, right? We can bridge out uh, either directly from uh, from Salesforce to any data set uh, and bring that data in. But 
the telco partners are establishing uh, expertise in specific areas and using that as a selling feature. And they're working with partners too. You know, the, you know, what we used to call the big six. You know, the the big uh, implementation partners, right? And they're making the implementation par- partners are are taking. Uh, their knowledge in specific verticals and applying that and building templates for AI so they know they're becoming experts in those areas. But I'm seeing more telcos do that too, where they're taking uh, expertise in a specific area, uh, even construction, right? Where they're saying, hey, we know how construction vehicles work because we've gathered all this data and we know this truck is about, this brand of truck is about to fail because pressure is going up and uh, the temperature is getting colder in this region so these types of trucks have died. So you should go do you should go do an oil change before this happens. Um, so anyway, I'm digressing again. But the ability <laughs> the ability to take um, all these sources, operate on them, and proactively engage the customer before they know they even have a problem, and then even while they're having the problem reduce the friction for them so you know exactly what you need to do to help them. Absolutely. No, I love that. I mean, I was about to ask you about the role of connectivity, but you've really already brought to the fore quite a few different areas, actually. So, you know, connectivity, the use of internal systems, seamlessly communicating with one another, but also those connection across clouds you were describing there, I think is fantastic. But overall, overall, I think, and also the role of AI for that matter, but it's moved from kind of being reactive to having active intelligence, which is, I think, you know, the holy grail of what we need to be doing at the moment to do things in increasingly real time and to get that kind of 365 view of the customer as well. Well, which is hugely, hugely important, and be able to react to that again as real time as possible. So I love that. It's a really, really good example. So no, your little tangent there was a great one because it just brings that story to life, which is fantastic. Um, but one point I would love to kind of drill into, which was related to some other research actually that, that came out from Forrester, and that was looking at one of the other things that we've seen over this over this period of time, which is kind of the acceleration of all things around data. I mean, data driven is one of the words of certainly 2021, and it's still going into this year as well. You know, we've got these kind of five these haven't we around data at the moment so we've got the volume what veracity volatility and also velocity around data as well but again that holy grail point is to get to the data value and i think you naturally mentioned some ways to make that happen you know, around ai for example taking a major role in that um, and improving integration um, but what have you seen in this particular area because certainly that research brought to the fore there are some data paradoxes so, for example, if people want more and more data, we're getting more. 5G is going to accelerate that more even further. But some organizations aren't quite ready. Some of the infrastructure isn't in place or maybe some of the training around data literacy isn't in place either for non-tech rate tasting roles. So just wonder what you're seeing there in terms of relationships you have with CSBs. What's their biggest kind of data challenge? Yeah, yeah. so that's a great leading question for me. Oh, my gosh. Um, so the, the data gathering... The data is out there, right? That's the first problem. First, you have to be able to access it. And that's why I love uh, the fact that we have MuleSoft. And, and MuleSoft is like one of my IoT hammers and everything looks like a nail. So I've got two hammers for IoT and that's MuleSoft. I can connect it pretty much anything with MuleSoft. Um, and then once I get MuleSoft connected in, what do I do with the data? Well, I want to visualize with that data. So there's another acquisition, that, and, and I love, you know, I, I, I send thank you notes to our leadership team every time they, they make an acquisition. And, and I'm going to talk about Slack in a minute, too. That was, you've probably heard about uh, one of our most re- recent acquisitions, but 
Um, I was dying to talk about that, but I'm going to bring Slack into this because, okay, so you've got the data, you got to get it. That's MuleSoft. The data, you have to visualize it. That's Tableau. Okay. So there's this company called Tableau and they're amazing at visualizing data. Even um, the most amazing visualization I put together and I had to, and I, I was reluctant to do it um, because I didn't have any experience or training on the tool. I had a whole bunch of agricultural IoT data that happened to come in from a telco partner. I wonder if I'm allowed to mention Telstra. Uh, whoops, I mentioned the name. Okay, so they gave me all this agricultural data, and they said, "Hey, uh, how can you can you tell what's happening with this farm?" Um, and what was happening was the um, it was a solar powered uh, group of sensors, and you can see, well, I. It was a bunch of data, right? And I was feeding the data in real time into Salesforce, and I was putting it into a custom object, and it was just a bunch of lines, like looking at a spreadsheet. Oh, I can't really, what am I supposed to do with this, right? So, but I popped it into Tableau, and you can see the dropouts of the, um, of the solar radiation and then failure, right? Again, guess what was happening? The batteries weren't being charged sufficiently, right? So you can see flat lines, and the flat line was not, uh, the temperature would flatline. And you're wow, that's interesting how the temperature um, is staying the same for all, you know, for a day and a half. Well, how could that possibly be, right? You know, when you're measuring uh, Celsius 0.002, right? It, there's no way it could. So it flatlined because the battery wasn't getting sufficient energy from the solar charger. And it was really evident when you visualize that. Okay, so there's visualization. But the next step of that is actionability, right? So you can look at data all, all you want with these cool visualizations, but if you don't act upon it, um, then it's basically useless. Well, it's it's useful because you can have a bunch of people in a room look at it. Oh, that looks cool. Look, it's the battery's dying. Um, but wouldn't it be cool to be able to take that one step further and say, if I see a flat line, okay, whenever I see a flat line for greater than n number of minutes, then I'm going to create a case in service cloud and dispatch that field technician again. But also, I want instant notification. So, and I want a group of people to what we call swarm around the problem. We call it uh, case swarming. So you can you create the case, and then it sends a notification out to Slack. Uh, and now, in our latest release, we have uh, Slack integrations to a lot of things, and they you can do case swarming. So you could bring in a group of people to say, "Wait a minute." Look at this visualization. There's a problem here. How do we solve this, right? And is that a is that a defect in the product itself? Wait, here. Let me let's bring in the Slack. Here, let let me at mentioned uh, the the product group because this might be a battery defect. And the battery group comes in and says, "Oh, you know what? When this happens, the battery is going to explode. We should go." <laughs> Whatever. No, no, that's a bad example. Anyway, but um, so making things actionable. And then putting things together easily and uh, giving business users the ability to do that um, is very powerful. Absolutely. No, I, I, honestly, it's a great example. I was also going into my little sustainability hat in a minute as well, just thinking of other benefits of, of this integration of technology as well, which is fantastic. But no, you, you super brought that to life, which, which is wonderful. And my next question, you've almost kind of hinted at this already, but I'm, I'm going to go with this anyway, just to see if we've got a different example. But it's something that I'm, I'm speaking to a lot of people about at the moment, which is we've got all these different channels now, all these different data sources, both internal and external. And we've had a heightening around adoption of different channels across different demographics 
demographics as well, just heightened by the pandemic. But there's a difference, isn't there, between omnichannel and multi-channel. They're not the same thing. Um, and people are looking for better seamlessness, consistency, personalization. And that's really fundamental to the relationship with the brand and brand love even. Um, so I'm wondering what you're seeing from a CSP perspective about how to really enable that? What technologies are helping to make a difference to bring those different integrations of technology data sources together? And we've hinted at it a little bit already, but I just wonder if you've got a different example of that from a customer perspective and really how to enhance that relationship. Yeah, so that's a great question. So you have to really be able to um, provide, and this is going to sound bad because it's like my when I ask my wife uh, a question, you can have A or you can have B. And what is she going to say? I want both, right? <laughs> so same with omni-channel, right? Or even multi-channel. You can have chat or you can have email. Well, I want both. Well, they do want both, right? They, customers want to engage on the channel that is their preference, right? And if they can't... Now, everybody, this is a bad example because everybody has chat now. Like if you go to a telco provider... Everybody's offering me chat now. And and most companies now are offering a chat bot, which is great for our chat bot business <laughs> and great for our chat business too, right? But um, it's like table stakes now that when you go to a website, if you're sitting there for longer than n number of seconds, the chat's going to pop up. The annoying chat window pops up. And guess what? I should be able to turn that off, right? If I can't turn that off, I'm going to get annoyed and I'm going to go, I'm going to churn, and churning is a bad thing, right? So, well, that might not be the that might be the last straw that churns. But you know, I'm, I don't want this annoying bot to bother me ever again, and I'm going to go to another. Okay, anyway, but so it's not just about providing all these channels: chat, email, video. Cha video chat is our latest thing. We have this thing called VRA where you can do, um, and that's becoming very popular now because of um, telemedicine, and that's one of the other uh, uh, things I've been e e emphasizing on. Like, if you look at my uh, my, uh, this won't show up on your podcast, but I'm holding up a, um, here's a uh, blood pressure monitor. This is from Metasante. This is connected to Salesforce. And it's uh, basically a box. I'm just, I'll describe it for your podcast people. It's a box that has uh, a blood pressure cuff attached to it. And we ship it in the mail to someone and they plug it in and it is connected to a telco IOT cloud because it's a GSM, it's GSM connected and it's eventually going to be 5G connected, but right now it's 4G connected, right? And it sends the data up into health cloud. Okay. Um, so when I have a problem with that, I'm my father who's, uh, he happens to be a physician and knows how to operate this thing. So he's a bad example, but uh, <laughs> he has no technology acumen, right? So you ship him this box and he, he he's not going to know what to do with it. He'll know how to operate the blood pressure cuff, right? But he won't know what the heck to do with it. Well, you push the button right here. I'm pushing the button on the left-hand side of this unit and I'm holding it up to the camera. Um, so he should be able to video chat with the person that's helping him, his patient provider, right, in the cloud. And look, no, 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 here, here's the button right here. And they should be able to circle it on the screen, right? So that's another channel that we've recent, recently added because of customer demand, because of telemedicine and that people said, hey, we need a video chat capability. So anyway, offering all the channels, um, 
the answer by my wife, both, right? All, we want all channels, but it's not just you need to have all channels. You need to be able to intelligently select those channels, right? So what is a proper channel? And we talked about context before. In context, how do you get the right context? Who's, who's coming to your website? And do they like chat or do they like video chat? Do they like, they just want to send an email in? And what is their SLA tolerance on uh, for, for our good customers, right? For your loyal customers, you should know they have SLA tolerance, right? Um, I want a response to my email in 35 nanoseconds. Otherwise, I'm going to be, you know, well, that's unrealistic, right? But um, you have to know for each customer. And, and guess what? Or even, and this is where I'm working on this other AI project. Um, how do you match that person on that channel with the proper expert, right? So it's finding the right expert at the right time. And that can also leverage things like swarming and Slack, right? So you can... Why not uh, bridge the gap? You're chatting. It goes into a chat bot. It says, oh, this person's suffering. They need a human. Automatically escalate it to a human. And guess what? Bring, send a message out through the connection in Slack to warn someone, hey, your loyal customer with a high cu- lifetime customer value is suffering right now. Would you like to give them a call? or?" you know, maybe you should pick up the call. Um, you should get that call transferred to you. How pleasantly surprised would that would they be if they had their favorite person engaging them on their favorite channel at the exact right time, right? That's the, I think, the holy grail of, of channel management. Oh, so, so true. It's to- using that, that friction example you mentioned earlier as well. That's also pivoting, isn't it? A moment that could be friction or even churn inducing to one that become, become a complete positive. And we change the narrative and it enhances expectations and actually becomes a relationship builder and a loyalty builder. So I think that's a perfect example of that. And I've also got a vision in my head of this swarming happening now at the moment as well. <laughs> Everyone coming to, uh, little bees coming to swarm to help you out. And you've got the, when you had a moment like that, I love a visualization. So that's wonderful. But yeah, yeah, it's absolutely right. It really is. It's that point of intervention. And it's all these different technologies coming together, um, the different functionalities. And you mentioned chat, video chat, AI, machine learning, analytics, all these different elements coming together, but meeting the customer where they are, where they prefer to be, and coming in at the right moment at the right time. So amazingly brought to life. I love that. Thank you, Chai. That's brilliant. And going back to the AI aspect of this as well, obviously, you mentioned the project you're actively involved on that, which is fantastic. And again, going back to the HBR report as well, AI was one of the biggest, I think, takeaways coming out about that changing perceptions around adoption. So what did you see from there around the role of AI for CSPs and how that's changing? Yeah, so again, it's back to um, being able to build specific offerings uh, in vertical areas and specialized areas as it relates to AI. Because you can't just build, oh, yeah, I'm going to build an AI solution, right? By the way, AI means a lot of different things to a lot of different Absolutely. people. Um, AI could be, as we mentioned before, uh, proactive service. Um, it could also mean, like at Salesforce, I was on with the with the with one of the AI groups yesterday, and we were talking about uh, image detection, right? Which is another thing that telcos are looking at. That's another form of AI, 
that is completely different than the, um, it could be customer experience, it could be not, right? So image detection, and uh, ironically, I got my, um, my start, uh, we had a separate discussion about this at one point about imagery exploitation, about being able to analyze satellite pictures. But um, I've come full circle now because um, you can go up on Salesforce's Trailhead site. By the way, Trailhead is our training site. Um, you can learn anything about pretty much anything, but also mainly about Salesforce functionality. But we had this um, Trailhead module that teaches you about AI, generally speaking. So if you want to learn about AI, you can go to Trailhead and learn about AI. But also you can go hands-on and you can do, um, <laughs> there's actually a cat classification um, image, uh, image detection capability you could build on Salesforce using uh, Einstein vision. So, so there are different, and there's also NLP, right? That's another form of AI, natural language processing. Um, and so we've got a group that's working, that's focusing on that. And the telcos are doing all the above, right? They're looking across the board <clears throat> for everything from, you know, even their, um, they have these telephone poles, right? Where they install things on, on the poles. Well, guess what? They're looking at uh, vision um, to detect whether or not their, um, their line is down, right? Maybe a, why is there an outage in an area? Or they fly over uh, a bunch of poles and they can determine, oh, that's obsolete equipment and that's not obsolete equipment. Or even in the utility space, we did an experiment with a um, with one of the power companies, um, remember when we were having all those fires, they were worried about the yes. telephone poles catching on fire. They wanted to determine uh, via AI, right, image correlative analysis on uh, if transformer A and insulator B were on the same pole, that could cause a fire, right? So you fly a drone by there and you, you identify uh, that's a bad thing. So telcos are doing that sort of thing too, right? Where they can, they could do it. So anyway, I'm getting off subject, but back to, um, the telco, you know, CSPs are going to be providing, uh, specialized functionality in verticalized AI groups. I predict, um, if they aren't already doing it right. Um, because more and more companies as a, consolidate and aggregate the data and they become the IOT cloud um, and they get all this 5G data, they're going to have to be able to provide a service to their customers to intelligently act upon that. And I'm hoping, and that's why I've done so much work on integrating to those, those clouds. I'm hoping they'll look at us for anomaly detection and, mm -hmm. you know, actionability, right? I want to be able to act on those events that are happening. So that they identify via their specialized AI that there's an issue, um, and then who are they going to call? Well, hopefully someone that has a good customer relationship management company and somebody that has uh, offering rather, and someone who could take a 360 degree view of the customer really easily, right? Okay, 
So hopefully that answered your question. I don't know. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And I was going to mention as well about the, the guiding derivatives or directives that came through from the report um, that Gavin Patterson was describing, which was like, integrate, analyze and act. And I think you naturally kind of brought that to the fore anyway. And then probably the next part of that acting is also the measurement that follows on from that. Because again, I think that's something I see sometimes organizations struggle more with that final part about measurement and continually to do that and acting upon that part. Yeah. Well, you, you know, it's funny. Gavin is like the strongest advocate for AI at Salesforce now because he uses it on top of all of his customer data at Salesforce, right? He's looking at his, you know, we're about to close a quarter. So he's using the power of Einstein uh, and AI to figure out uh, where we need to focus. And um, so anyway, that, that's why I say he's our big, biggest, strongest advocate for AI. Absolutely. That's brilliant. That's great. It's great to have that, that leadership and advocacy around it. I think that's absolutely huge. And supporting that as well, you know, focus on education and training and skills uplift as well. And you naturally mentioned one example of that where you can get AI training as well. But again, for me, this education and technology hand in hand area is, is hugely important. Um, I just wondered what you're seeing there in terms of support for CSPs in doing that, in terms of the skills and education you need to use these new technologies and apply them. You know, for example, not in just tech facing roles, but also looking at that from a Salesforce perspective as well and what you're doing to kind of embed a learning culture, really. Yeah. So it goes down to the, and this is going to, I don't want to be, this is going to sound belittling, but the lowest common denominator of learning are, are folks that I was working with. Um, I'm still working with, actually. Um, I was visiting them last year in India uh, there's this movement called the Smart Village Movement. This is a shameless plug for the Smart Village Movement. Um, there, there are people in remote corners of India who um, previously didn't have even power and clean water. And we're going out to the uh, villages. There's a location on the uh, eastern side of uh, eastern part of India called Mengalaya. Um, and we installed two learning labs there. Uh, leveraging Salesforce technology work with power and telco partners there to provide them with internet and um, of course power to power the internet but also uh, trailhead training so they could uh, be self-sufficient right so you, it's great to bring power and internet to them but ha what happens if it breaks right they, they need to be trained on how to fix it so there's a training platform there and they're learning about technology and uh we got two labs running. We, we, we're going to go for 18 more. But if they can learn um, how to be self-sufficient, uh, you know, the rising tide lifts all boats, right? So let's lift, let's use that technology um, that we train people at telco companies to learn about our platform. Why not make that available to everybody so that everybody can benefit, right? Absolutely. I love that. And we'll share out all the details about those projects as well, because I think it's hugely important. And I know we're running short of time now as well. My final question literally was going to be about you know, how organizations can use their sphere of influence around tech for good. We know whether that's digital inclusion, which you literally naturally covered, which is wonderful, or areas like sustainability as well. So perhaps we could have just a closing minute, kind of what you see as kind of future scan. What's next? What's the next horizon you know, beyond experience to some of these other areas as well? What does that look like to you, Charlie? 
Yes, sustainability is great because we have, um, again, this is going to sound like another shameless plug, working with at and I'll mention their name, on, uh, we have this thing called Net Zero Cloud, and they've got uh, a sustainability initiative. So that's an example of, of how we can work with, with um, folks on uh, grabbing the data. Again, we don't, we don't generate the data or we don't gather the data from the buildings and the vehicles that are running, the construction vehicles that are idling out there, uh, hitting a, our carbon foot, footprint in a heavy way, right? Um, so how can we measure the, the footprint of construction sites, uh, which is one of our first use cases, and how can we um, get that into net zero cloud so you can uh, oversee and manage uh, the carbon footprint in an intelligent way, and then uh, take that to the next level. And that's what I think you're going to be seeing uh, in the near future. Hopefully you'll see it in Mobile World Congress. And, and there are, uh, are lots of use cases around sustainability when you take uh, the power of the CSPs and leverage them with an actionable uh, clicks, not code platform capability like Salesforce. That is wonderful. Honestly, Charlie, I couldn't think of a better way to end that. That was really kind of this data-driven future um, that's bringing together this age of experience, um, convergence of technology, particularly you know, fueled by IoT, AI, and 5G, but also embedding with this you know, priorities around sustainability, digital inclusion, and tech as a force for good more broadly. So it's that shared value, that doing well for business, but for society at the same time. I think we brought those together in a really lovely way to round that conversation off. So Charlie, thank you so much for joining us. It's been a real pleasure to speak to you today. Thanks for listening to this episode of Tomorrow's Tech Today. If you enjoy what we're doing, please subscribe to us and leave a review. It really means a lot. You can also follow us on Twitter and Instagram and see more behind the scenes video footage on YouTube. Thanks for listening.